0: everyone welcome back to another episode of the rumcast this is the podcast where we talk all things rum related with the people who love and shape it we've got a great interview coming up with friend of the podcast mike streeter the owner founder of down island spirits part of kind of the i feel like john this is something that's kind of a a way a new wave of things that that's happened alongside the podcast like the timing of it is similar of all these newer American independent bottlers hitting the scene and kind of following in the footsteps of a lot of these IBs that have been operating uh, in in Europe and other places for a long time. But it's a a newer thing to the United States. And Down Island is one of the newer companies doing that, bringing in great rums from all over the world. And it was great to catch up with Mike and hear about starting that and how they've already managed to release six rums, including two new ones that we're going to talk about from Brazil Mm -hmm. and Martinique so great to talk to him but before we get into that how's everything going for you down there in miami
1: hey well it's good so first of all uh happy pie approximation day we are recording this on the 22nd of july oh okay so yeah Wait, i don't know if you, pie, if you were i don't aware know of that i i know like march 14th pi right. day I, that's i'm not the aware actual of actual pi day that's, okay that's the definitive pi day but today is the Pi approximation day for for geeks and nerds like me who know that twenty two over seven is the you know death the fractional form right. of pi right so yes you know I try to
0: avoid of- doing math so <laughs> days that require doing math and fractions I'm gonna overlook them on the calendar um, I, I I fully admit to
1: uh, being a geek in all ways and that is one of you them. didn't have and- to admit it <laughs> it was already there <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, something else very geeky, I did see Oppenheimer on uh, yesterday, actually. Uh,
0: I don't know if that's geeky. Out. That's, I mean, that's a pretty big, you know, it's a glo- global blockbuster, kind of. Well, so. I haven't
1: finished telling you what I saw. Okay, me, <laughs> okay. go for it.
0: Which is the original 70 millimeter
1: uh, print. I- IMAX 70 millimeter is not available in Miami, otherwise I would have seen that. But so I had to it settle. It is in Nashville. I ha- oh that's that makes me sad a little bit
0: I'm waiting I'm waiting a couple weeks I'm waiting a couple weeks until you know maybe it will be a little less crowded but I am gonna go do the IMAX 70 millimeter I actually haven't seen an IMAX movie since the first Avatar came out which I believe was in like I don't know 2011 (sighs) maybe 2010 sometime around there I feel like it was earlier
1: than that even yeah
0: yeah it's 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 been a minute for me
1: yeah well, I mean, uh, I, this is not a movie podcast, so we'll skip right past this. And plus, it's very early on, so we wouldn't want to say no too spoilers. much. No spoilers. Yeah, I, I haven't even think, seen uh, it yet. Yeah. You should see it. Yeah, you should see it. But yes, the uh, the 70 millimeter format is pretty cool. Uh, and so
0: yet another way that I guess I am pretty nerdy and geeky. Does it get um, a John Gullah fantastic? Can that be the extent of the review? Does it get a fantastic or not?
1: It does. Okay. It does get okay. a fantastic. Right. All right. And we can talk more maybe in our happy hour if people are interested <laughs> uh, to hear some more pointed critiques at that point.
0: I'll have uh, to try to see it before then. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to get it in yet, but we'll see.
1: Yeah. You know what I did want to talk about, though, more rum related, uh, yes. is I, I just came back a few weeks ago from Washington, D.C., uh, mm-hmm. where we took a family trip up there. And, of course, no good trip is uh, really ever great until you visit a great rum bar when you're there. Right. Uh, for, for us, right? Right. And Mm -hmm. uh, I was able to go to The Green Zone, which is a really well-known rum bar, rum-related bar. It's actually a Middle Eastern uh, bar that has uh, Middle Eastern cuisine, but also Mm -hmm. a ton of rum. The owner, uh, Chris Hassan Frank, uh, Mm -hmm. which I believe uh, listens to the podcast as a patron as well, he has put together something that is really, really wonderful there. And I think we even get a mention of that in this interview with Mike, because he was talking about it. Maybe that was, that might have been post-recording, I don't know, but... He mentioned he likes the green zone as well. A lot of Um, fans. It's got a lot of fans out there. Yeah. So what was really cool about it is the DC Rum Rebels group, which is local there, mm-hmm. uh, they, they have uh, something cool going on that they get to meet uh, every so often and, and work through rums there and, and uh, challenge each other with different things that they've uh, bought and mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. enjoy together. And they invited me to this little get-together at the Green Zone that, that night. So there was uh, Chris McPherson, Tim Arling, Kyle Pulford, Jordan Zahner, uh, all there. And we just had a, a raucous, great time pulling out a bunch of rums and, uh, man, what a great bar. It, it just, the, the rum selection there is obviously phenomenal. Mm-hmm. The drinks that they they serve there, some of which I had never heard of before. Not, you know, for those of you who listen, I guess, to the podcast know I'm not huge into cocktails, but um, they were really, really great cocktails there. And the food. Will, I've never had a Middle Eastern cuisine as good as this. Wow. Way. It was incredibly good. High praise. Yeah. Yes incredibly like i i've had a decent amount of you know like middle eastern cuisine mm-hmm. here and there this was the first time where i just was like holy crap mm-hmm. i w- i've been eating like what I feel like must have been the McDonald's version of this uh, before, because that was so good. So anybody who gets a chance, long story short, visit the Green Zone when you're in D.C. You will not be disappointed. Um, it's
0: always it's always just such a nice free bonus when a great bar also happens to have great food, you yes. know, it's just like totally unexpected. So when that happens, it's like, wow, this is amazing. So that's yeah. great to hear.
1: yeah. And there was one story I wanted to share, Will, with you and with everyone that was kind of interesting and related yeah. to something that we we did in our past. So we've got this table of everybody where we're just uh, having a good time eating and drinking and doing everything, mm-hmm. And we're positioned in a, in a very crowded uh, place. I mean, there was a lot of people there, which is great. And... We were nearby where kind of the bathroom uh, for the 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 place is, mm-hmm. and there's a guy also in the DC Rum Rumbles. His name is Nick, and he's sitting at the chair that is nearby the door into the bathroom.
0: Right. Okay. Best seat so, in the house.
1: Right. What that means is, <laughs> at some point, that Chris brought over the single origin homes key Fiji bottle mm-hmm. that we mm-hmm. helped. To, to get over here, yeah. I had a few ounces left of it. And, you know, we were, I guess, kind of going through that and talking a little bit about that. And Nick kind of took it upon himself as people were coming to the bathroom that may have been here to for no reason related to rum uh-huh. to start proselytizing uh, a little bit <laughs> with with some rum and That's using a single origin Fiji to say, hey, taste this. Yeah. right? Just Which on their way pretty, to the bathroom? Yeah, yeah. I love it. And it so it was pretty cool. And, you know, he got a few people to try it and got some, you know, good reactions to that. But there was one that stuck out to me. And the guy that was doing this, he said he doesn't usually drink rum. He knows it. You know, he's familiar with it, but he's not a rum drinker. Uh He tried it and he really enjoyed it. He was like, this is fantastic. And if I, you know, the same story we've heard a thousand times, Uh, right? uh Oh, if I knew this is how rum was, I would be much more interested, right? Yeah. And then as he leaves the bathroom, he comes walking in my direction because they had pointed out that this is the person that helps get this over here, right? (laughs) Much to my chagrin, right? They're like, you know, oh, this guy, you know, Uh and uh, so he comes and he whispers something in my ear, Will, and because it's loud, you know, he whispers in my ear, he says, hey, look, this is really, really great. My advice, you want my two cents? Don't call it rum. (laughs) (laughs) What else would you call it, though? Oh, what a what a, a heartbreaker, right? It, a crushing I'm, blow, yeah. Yes, I'm so glad that he liked it. But his takeaway from this was you're going to be more successful not calling that <laughs> rum because that was the method he chose to see success for that bottle rather than to explore and expand what rum can be. So I well, just had to share that with you. With
0: my only guy. critique to the suggestion would be that if you're going to suggest to call it something else, come with an idea of what to call it because what you call spirits when you put them in stores dictates where they end up on shelves and yeah. if you don't fit neatly into a category you tend to go to the shelves that no one ever 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 looks at So, <laughs> well rum may have a long way to go to get the recognition it deserves i'm still i'm planning the flag it's a rum and we're never going to call it anything else and i'm sure eric is never going to call it anything else either i'm pretty sure you're right
1: yeah uh it's just an interesting take to hear uh in the midst of all of that greatness that night. So, Will, you know, what's been going on with you lately, and uh, how's everything over there?
0: So, I was also recently traveling, and, you know, anytime I'm traveling to another city, I I try to find a place where I can get some good rum. But I was taking a trip to Las Vegas, and I was going with some friends. We were going to attend the NBA's annual summer league there. So, I got to see the recent number one overall draft pick for my favorite team, the San Antonio Spurs. Yes. Victor Wimbenyama, the most hyped prospect since LeBron James, seven foot five Frenchman. He's going to completely change the league, but we'll leave that conversation for another day. It was amazing to see that. But while I was there, I know there are some uh, uh, highly recommended uh, rum bars in the Las Vegas area, but I was mostly around the strip. I didn't really have time necessarily to, to go seek out places. So I was just kind of like keeping an eye open for interesting rum opportunities if they so happen to reveal themselves. And, you know, John, if you've been in New Orleans, you know, there's those little daiquiri, little, little like hole in the wall daiquiri station things all over the place. And it's the classic, like much reviled version mm. of the daiquiri that yeah. rum purists dislike, which is the right. slushy Yes. Bright red. Uh, I
1: call them pool drinks.
0: Yeah. yeah it doesn't yeah. taste anything like rum version of the daiquiris. And I was surprised to see that Las Vegas also has many of those places uh. um, around the Strip and, and stuff like that. But one afternoon, my friends and I were walking through Caesar's Palace, just having successfully uh, blown through some money at the craps table. And we're going, we're just looking for a place to sit down and relax for a little bit. You know, it's 115 degrees outside. Yeah, you yeah. know, we've been up all night. We're, we just want to sit down and chill. And as we're walking through the casino, I see a sign and it says rum bar. And it's, it has an arrow point telling you which way to go. And now was normally it like John. was
1: fluorescent neon like. No, see, it ee, wasn't. Ee, ee. It wasn't. No? It was okay,
0: like, okay. it was like a gold placard sort of. Okay. And here's the thing that really got my attention. It was rum with an H so rhum oh, bar and i was like oh my okay. god do they have like a like a a, a rum agricole themed yeah bar in here in caesar's palace that i somehow haven't heard about and so my friends are all starting to sit down i'm like hey like come on come on let's just i I, I know we're exhausted i know we just like lost some money but let's let's go there might be a cool rum bar here and so we walk you know probably a quarter mile through this casino and i I keep following the rum bar signs i'm explaining to people why since there's an h this might be a Uh very good uh thing and then i'm around the corner only to find that it's the exact same standard frozen slushy daiquiri station Uh and i was just thinking to myself how who came up with the idea to use rum with an h for this bar like huh. was this was this some kind of mind game where they trying to uh, attract you know highbrow rum drinkers and 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 you know trick them it felt like a bait and switch to me so anyway all that is a long way to say that my Rum adventures in Las Vegas were thwarted. I, I, as soon as I saw what it was, I, I walked back away. I apologized to my friends. Said I'm sorry. This is not what I thought it would be. Um, and that was that. But um, wow. other than that, had a great time.
1: Man, so two stories with uh, really awesome trips, but some slight <laughs> disappointments with how people are are still uh, doing rum around here. I right. guess that makes even what Mike Streeter is doing even more valuable yes. uh, because he is trying to, like we hopefully try to do here on our podcast, mm-hmm. change perceptions of rum and change how people view it. I am interested to know, like, like you said, it was just like the SEO game that they were trying to put the H in <laughs> the Rumbar, and they were like, let's separate ourselves a little bit, uh, or if you know, it could somehow be a
0: a French background purveyor who still. I I don't know. I I was so disappointed (sighs) that I didn't even, you know, linger long enough to, to try to make sense of it. Uh, I just walked away dejectedly, but anyway, um, yeah, yeah, it's a good point tying it back into what, what Mike is trying to do with down Island. And, uh, we, we were able, he sent us some samples of his two new releases, and we both had a lot of good things to say about them. We, we get into that more in the interview, but we talk a lot about just, you know, it's always an interesting story to hear, you know, the journey someone has in, in starting a rum business like this and the process they go through in selecting the right rums and, you know, how they make those decisions what they're hoping to do next and all that. And we get into all that and a whole lot more. And Mike's also been, I mean, he's been a a self-professed rum geek for more than 20 years. So he's been in this for a long time, has a great perspective, a a, a wide ranging lens with which to examine the rum world because he's been in it for so long. So anyway, with all that said, we'll go ahead and take things over to the interview. All right. We are here with Mike Streeter, the founder, owner, proprietor of Down Island Spirits. It is spirits, right, Mike? It's not not it just is. Down Island. It's Down Island Spirits. Okay. It is. I'm not sure if that's a hint of more to come in the future, but maybe we can delve into that uh, further into the interview. Um, I was thinking earlier today, it's really cool that we're doing this interview now because I remember you might know the timeline a little bit better than me, but I remember it had to be over a year ago that you sent us an email and said that you were working on starting something and we had a phone call and you kind of gave me the, the background info on it. And now it's like, you know, a year, maybe two years. I, the timelines are all fuzzy to me now, but it's like, you already have six releases under your belt. You're out there, you're doing it. We're running into you at festivals. And I wanted to ask, like, looking at the continuum of starting a run business What's the comparison for where you are in that point now? Is it like you've been through your freshman year already and you're kind of like, you know, the the bullying is out of the way. You've got kind of adjusted and everything. What What's a comparison we can make to no, sort I think, of look, let I, people I know I'm, where you I think are? I think,
2: I think I'm still very much the awkward, the awkward <laughs> freshman. Okay. Um, you know, I get, you know, get beat up once a week. So <laughs> I, I still feel like I'm very early stages. I think I'm, I think it might be that second semester of freshman year.
0: Still getting, getting stuffed in a locker still. Um, Yes. pool pool is on the third floor that doesn't actually exist. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Exactly. Do do you, so in that case then, do you still feel very much like you're learning on the job on a daily basis or like, has, 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 have you kind of fallen into a workflow? Um, like, like where are you in in that respect?
2: Well, getting the first releases out in, it was last October, um, getting the first releases out definitely helped. And that was truly learning as I went. You know, I, I knew several years ago that I wanted to develop a brand. And I'm, by several years ago, I mean like 10 years ago. I wanted to develop a brand. And I was doing a lot of promotional work in, in, in rum and, and writing work within the industry. And I saw uh, at least what I thought were opportunities within the rum scene to develop a brand, um, mostly based around high-quality Cask strength, unadulterated spirits, and this this is before it was. Samaroli really was the only one doing it in the states at that time. Mm, we got mm. we would get a, a, occasionally. We would get access to a different IV here in the states, but it right. wasn't very often. But I never had the the bandwidth or, or truly the time or resources to make it to make it happen. And then yeah. then COVID COVID happened, <laughs> and I had some time on my hands, as most people did. Uh-huh. So I finally got my importers credentials in order my licenses and permits and paid all the fees and truly started to develop the concept for this brand and that was that was about two years ago when all of that kind of came together we started receiving samples after that i reached out to many of my friends uh, who work in the industry uh, both on the broker side of things as well as directly with the distiller side of things and requested samples and we uh, told them kind of the, the the distillate that we were looking for and they sent mm-hmm. over samples got 150 do you, do you, sam- got 150 you, samples oh
0: wow I was, about to, yeah. <laughs> I was about yeah I was about to ask do you remember what the first ever sample right. you tried was but if, if you received 150 I'm guessing maybe they kind of uh, blended together <laughs> no pun intended
2: we got 150 samples and I realized pretty quickly that there was no way I could do all of this on my own so we created a small tasting panel of friends of friends of mine who some are in the industry some are just like me they're aficionados and and collectors Mm -hmm. we Mm -hmm. tasted our way through through several sessions tasted our way through all 150 samples and created a kind of a top 20 list we were able to get about 15 of those casks so that was kind of the beginning of developing the brand we knew what we wanted to stand for which was high quality um unadulterated flavorful bold spirits Mm -hmm. um bottled at at cask strength with no additives
0: did you Um, have a a grading system or something like that like were you scoring them or was it more just like i've
2: been i've been a part of a lot of uh tasting competitions at festivals over the years so i used Mm -hmm. um kind of created a system based around those grading and, and ranking systems
1: Actually, on that note, let's take a step back. I want to get more into the brand identity and how you got there, but maybe it's worthwhile for us to to jump back and start by saying, I know kind of the motto of Down Island is buy rum geeks for rum geeks, which is great because you're, you're on the home audience here, but um, <laughs> How long have you been that self-described rum geek? You mentioned 10 years now that you've been wanting to do a brand. But does your rum experience extend even before that? You alluded to doing some writing and some things. I guess maybe what I'm asking is where did your love of rum first begin?
2: Yeah, it's funny because the Buy Rum Geeks for Rum Geeks thing really is um, its kind of an unofficial motto. It's become that there was a guy who walked up to my booth at a tasting event that I did. Six months ago, we were talking, you know, kind of really specifically about a few of the brands, and he kind of took a step back and he said, "Wow, you're a rum geek, man. This is like buy <laughs> rum geeks for rum geeks," which it kind of fits. So I there use that in some of our press releases, and I think it's on the website. So uh, whoever that was, um, thank you because people seem to enjoy that. I've been a rum geek for self proclaimed rum geek for. A number of years, probably 20 plus years, and I got into rum really through travel. Uh, and I talk about this in some of the tastings that I do. I grew up in Chicago, which is one of the best cities in the world. You know, winter in Chicago lasts like six months, so if you're there from December through seems like late April or May, um, it's mm. a, a terrible place to be. So early <laughs> on, and early on in my 20s, I started to travel to the Caribbean early. Uh, Let's see. Gosh, that probably would have been in the late 90s. Started traveling to the Caribbean for a week at a time. And these were really just meant to be like winter beach chill out trips. And when I got there, uh, they were definitely that. But um, I discovered rum. And like, oh, there's um, rum
1: here. Yeah, yeah,
2: There's rum here. It's everywhere. It's of a higher quality than I'm I'm accustomed to from distilleries I hadn't heard of. And I jumped right in. And back in those days, again, the late 90s, we just didn't have access to good rum in the States. You know, the best liquor shop in Chicago probably had 20 rums and half of those were spiced and the other half were flavored. Um, (laughs) We just didn't have access to good rum. So I was discovering rum at the source, high quality rum, brands that I had never heard of. And these were well-established brands, but um, brands that I had never heard of from distilleries that I was unfamiliar with. And I started to tour distilleries, try new cocktails, started to interact with people who worked at distilleries and made rum, made a lot of friends, and and I've done that ever since. I, I still think the best way to learn about anything is doing it at source. What's yeah. fun about rum is that you know rum distilleries are cool. Touring rum distilleries and and checking out the distillation process is fun and interesting, and you follow that up with a trip to the tasting room. So. Um, I'm a strong advocate for if you want to learn about anything, do it at source and for rum um, even better because it's a fun experience. And that's yes. travel is really how I got into rum.
1: Yeah. Like well, you can't beat being there in that environment to really experience in some of those things and then learning about it at the same time. Absolutely. So then where does the name down Island come from exactly?
2: Down Island is just, you know, a term that we use, John, you should know this. We use the term in, in South Florida. You know, if your friends taking Stop a Stop playing trip dumb, going, John. Come on, <laughs> going on going on vacation. Down Island is just you know where, where are you headed to next week. Oh, Down Island. That just means points south. That means the Caribbean. That means you know, um, yep. you know, you're you're going to the islands.
1: Yeah, I, I figure there's uh, a, a handful of people, maybe some from Chicago that don't know that term. So <laughs> <laughs> I want to do pro- probably that up. probably.
2: What we've discovered is that it means different thing. It means the same thing, but in different parts of the world. You know, we've had some people reach out to us in, um, you know, in in uh, in Europe. Uh, you know, the, in the Mediterranean, people use mm-hmm. Down Island um, in, in certain places, and mm-hmm. in Asia, they use Down Island. Just means geographically means something different, but um, right. all kind of similar.
0: I feel like you know, up here in Tennessee, referring to going down Island is not something we do that often, unfortunately for us. Um, but I feel like when you see the name, you kind of inherently get the meaning of it sort of, you know? So in that respect, I think it works quite well.
2: Yeah. Thank you. I'm glad, I'm happy to hear that.
0: Um, when,
2: when when we think about branding, we hope that it conjures up images of the islands, but not just the islands and palm trees and things like that, but, but high quality distillate in this case.
1: Yeah, it's either that or there was a Florida island named Down Island that you live on, and didn't think that was that was the thing. So,
0: <laughs> not yet. You you were speaking to kind of how long you've been into into the rum world, and I, I know back in the day, um, I'm I'm not sure if you still updated it, but RumConnection.com is your website, correct? Yeah, yeah, I had I a, actually, um, a
2: website that was that was uh, updated every day. For about yeah. 10
0: years. I, I went um, all the way back because there's there's 33 pages of posts on the page because I wanted to see when it started. And the, the very first post was September 23rd, 2008. So, well, wow. um, well, wow. not quite 20 years ago, but I'm sure you were, you know, uh, that was a step in your rum journey. Your rum journey mm-hmm. had already begun before 2008. So um, one did, thing I did. One thing I wanted to ask with, with all that experience in mind is it, it's always interesting to me to hear kind of how people's tastes have evolved over time. I'm sure the the first rums you were enjoying in those early trips to the uh, Caribbean, you know, they, your tastes have probably evolved since then. Um, so what are some, some rums or maybe just rum styles that you enjoy now or find yourself gravitating more to that maybe you know 10 or even 5 years ago you you weren't into as much what's kind of grown on you in recent years
2: well i i can tell that you've been looking back through the the rum connection archives you know because we mm-hmm. wrote a, we wrote a lot about rums that and probably gave a good review to rums that might not necessarily make the cut
0: no oh, i was not i was not looking at it uh, <laughs> with a critical eye or no judgment or anything like that uh, this is a question i love to ask everybody yeah. so our tastes, Mike, our tastes, our tastes do change, don't they? Yeah,
1: Mike. If you go back and listen to the first episode of the Rumcast, I'm a little embarrassed at some of the stuff that I talked about then, and that was only two or three years ago, I think. So, <laughs> you know, we all have our journey. Yeah,
2: I'm. I'm much more focused now on cask strength rums, as we as we all are. Um, it's a trend that the industry has taken, or at least our little corner of the industry has taken over the last five ish years, especially here in the states. Mm-hmm. Um, as I mentioned early on, Samaroli was, and maybe Berry brothers were the only real independent bottlers that you would find in the States on occasion. Mm-hmm. And even they were bottled at
0: 45, you know, like
2: 46, yeah, 45. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I can remember getting my socks blown off by Demerara 88 by Samaroli, which was a really, really fantastic rum. Mm-hmm. And I found a bottle recently and, and, popped it open. And it's 90 proof. I, I thought it was way hotter than that, but it's not. It goes to show you how I think our tastes changed. I think the industry has, has changed. We're drinking higher proof spirits. Now we're drinking unadulterated spirits. 10 years ago, 12, 15 years ago, what we had access to, what we thought was good rum, oftentimes was dosed heavily with with sugar and mm-hmm. excessive amounts of color. And I think consumers have just become more knowledgeable now and our tastes in rum reflect that.
0: Did did you have one of those eye-opening, oh my God, there's additives in this moments yes. as that kind of information was yeah. proliferating yeah. across yeah. the internet? Hey.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think we all had that, you know, that moment where we realized that a lot of the rums we were drinking weren't quite what they We're saying they were Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, we had some help along the way. There were some distillers out there who were, you know, starting to make make some make some noise about um, about these really popular rums in the states that were, you know, that we had access to, at least here in the states that Mm -hmm. were full of additives and not just sugar, but glycerin and and, um, excessive Mm -hmm. amounts of color, not to mention Mm -hmm. the dodgy age statements and flowery backstories. So, um, you know, I won't mention any, any particular brands, but yes, I remember an experience I was having, having a, having a few drinks with a friend who pointed out that a lot of the things that I liked and some of the things that were in my collection were really full of additives. And I should probably do a little bit more research into um, what I was drinking.
0: And, how, uh, how did how and did the I friend have, broach that with you? Like, was it um, was it done delicately, or was it kind of like 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 was your reaction to no. it? Oh like, my god, do, we do research, or, or was it, it, was it like
2: total, it was total ball busting, <laughs> um, like in your
0: face, get your shit
2: together type of conversation?
0: <laughs> and it's, and, it's, fran- it, so, and frankly, it sounds like it, you 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 still you know absorbed it and 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 took it in. It, it didn't. It worked. It, okay, yeah, yeah, it worked.
2: Um, you know, again, I think that we all have you know, a certain responsibility of becoming more knowledgeable consumers. And I certainly went, went through that phase and many people have said it in the past, you know, um, you know, drink what you like, but also know what you're drinking. And, mm. uh, and that's, that's not necessarily where we always were. Um, you know, for, in the aficionado enthusiasts mm. scene, I think we were enjoying a lot of what we had access to. Sure. Um, and now we, we have more access to truly remarkable spirits that aren't filled with additives.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just John and I talk a lot about, you know, the kind of the best ways to communicate the whole additives landscape to people who are newer into spirits and how to do it w- in a way that's informative but doesn't turn them off. Um, but we've learned that in some cases, um, bullying does work. Apparently, so I don't, <laughs> I don't know what not we that do. We're, with endorsing, that, but it. we're not endorsing. We're not endorsing this <laughs> <laughs> thing in this one specific case. It seemed to have worked. Um,
2: yeah. You know, were you guys active in the? Um, and Will, you probably weren't because you were in middle school or elementary school, <laughs> school at the time. But John, maybe you, maybe you were. But were you guys on the? You know, pre-social media. Were you on the Ministry of Rum website at all to experience the? Online, I was you know, not, online community that Ed created.
0: I've gone back yeah. and looked at some of the older posts, but I, I, I was not the there in real thing. time. It, it, was, yeah, it, Ed, was, it was
2: it was great. Uh it was it was hmm. great. It was really um it was a great source of information, but it was the first experience that any of us had at rum community where right. there was this message board and it sounds so ridiculous and antiquated yeah. now, but it's where it's where we were in how we communicated online. There was a message board. You yeah. Know, write a question people would answer you'd talk about your favorite rum people would give you know give um you know their opinions and it was the first experience that we all had as coming together as a as a a community and it's there and we and i learned a lot from from that site um uh, and and from Ed hamilton about rum and and additives and brands that are known for that and others that are known for um higher quality And it it helped. It helped a lot. And again, this goes back, you know, fifteen plus years ago.
1: Right. It's nice that it's also still kind of there and archived. And like Will, I've gone back in and looked at a a few of those, and kind of there's still good information there and interesting conversations that are archived there. That it's pretty interesting to to kind of work through and see. But you know, I, I guess. It could have been worse, Mike. We could have been on uh, IRC, Internet Relay Chat, or uh, <laughs> or Instant Messenger, uh, AOL Instant Messenger. I remember those days too. Uh, hey, so, I, yeah.
0: I I may not have been on the the rum communities in those days, but I, I was on all of those all of those platforms. Uh, you know, on, on other stuff. You know, growing up in yeah, I grew I grew up in the I I lived pre internet era. So I remember when my house got dial up. I remember using AOL. Oh, yeah. um, I still love. I mean, that's part of what I love about going back to the Ministry of Rum is I, it gives me nostalgia for what websites used to be like. Um, so it's really fun that that like corner of the internet is still preserved. Anyway, moving moving on for that, going along with what I was talking about earlier in terms of your you know learning experience as you transition from being a rum enthusiast and and someone who did do professional work in the rum world, but now you're someone who is actively releasing rums of your own. Um, Now that you've been at it for a little bit, what has been harder about being an independent bottler than you expected? And what, if anything has been easier?
2: You know, it's all difficult to be honest with you. I mean, the (laughs) spirits industry is highly, that's highly regulated. Uh huh. And you know, I spent 15 years promoting promoting rums and writing for a few dozen different brands, Um, but starting a brand and going through the regulatory system uh, is just confusing as hell. And um, I ended up, you know, getting some help with the process uh, through a a consultant, and that um, made the process much more streamlined and and it sped things up. I ended up saving money doing it, so I would say that. Really, nothing has. It's all been difficult. Um, I would say the one thing that has been that I would point to directly that's been more difficult than I thought was, you know, our single cask series is is one project that we're working on. We're working on a few different things. Single cask has just been the first to come to market. Oh, okay. We're also okay. we're also working on just doing some straight importing work of established brands from a few distilleries that oh, that's cool. have have never been to never been accessible in the states before
0: this is music to um, our ears yes it is
2: and I, and I think you'll love these rums as soon as they get here um, <laughs> but we've been working on this for a year so far maybe a little more than that and if you are working with a distillery that has never released any distillate in the states before you have to get an fda approval for that particular distillery, which complicates the process in, mm-hmm. um, in, in a lot of ways. And it has slowed things down. Um, it, it's slowed, slowed things down more than I could have ever predicted. So I figured importing rums from, you know, already established brands, no problem. That's going to be the easy part. I'll start with that and then move on to other things. But the single cask was, was far easier than um, than actually doing kind of straight importation of, of these products. I will say that the you know, the kind of rum enthusiast scene has been incredibly friendly with our initial releases, you know, we've gotten good reviews, people have reached out to us on social media and email and just congratulated us on the brand and, and the pics and you know when you work on something for 2 years and finally get something to market any kind of positive feedback is just greatly appreciated so that's not that's not easy by any means but i figured that there would be a few bad haters reviews. there would be some naysayers a couple haters. of haters <laughs> um but we we've we've been um, we've made some friends and some fans early on and and that's just uh, again it's just music to our ears
0: yeah that's good to hear
1: well it- with the uh, re- regarding the FDA, I'll I'll quote one of my favorite TV shows of all time. That's what governments are for—to get in a man's way.
0: Um, and I'll leave that at that. But what is um, that? Is that The West Wing, Firefly?
1: Come okay. on, <laughs> come on, Bill. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs>
0: I don't know. I've never seen The West Wing, but it just uh, it was about government, so I just guessed. Good, good guess. We're both Aaron
1: Sorkin fans. So, um, am I an Aaron okay. Sorkin fan? I believe you are because we talked about this before. Did yeah. we? Yeah. We talked I'm about I'm trying to uh, think of what Aaron
0: Sorkin projects I might. Um, what did he do? The, the Social Network was a good movie. Mike, by the way, this is the divergence that you
1: don't hear when we <laughs> edited it out in these. Let's do it. But, Keep it going. But, yeah, Aaron Sorkin, we talked about the West Wing, we talked about Sports Night, and we talked about. Um, the one with Jeff Daniels. The problem is, uh, I never
0: watched any of those shows. So I, there's no way I expressed myself as a fan of them because I haven't watched what West about Wing. The Social Network? Uh, the, so, that was a good movie, yeah. But I, Aaron know, Sorkin. I, I wouldn't, dis- I know it was Aaron Sorkin, but I wouldn't, you know, I, it's, I'm not, ai don't have his IMDb memorized by heart. So I don't know if I would <laughs> go, but yeah, great, great film, The Social Network. Okay, ba- back to the <laughs> subject here. Um, Mike, so.
1: I remember vividly when you first came to market with your first four releases, and I remember seeing all four of these together and thinking, holy cow, you know, this guy, uh, there's no in between here. You're, You're going for it. And uh, really excited by that because I I imagine, you know, most IBs, they probably just see with one release and see how that goes. And you're coming to market with no less than four. And one of which is a 21-year-old Barbados rum from Foursquare. So it really was, you know, kind of surprising and like, wow, this is going to be really, you know, interesting to get into. Wasn't a typical Uh, Foursquare either. Right. (laughs) Um, did, Did you begin with the vision of releasing the four rums at once like that? Or did that evolve into your strategy? You know, I, I was just curious to see how did that all work itself out.
2: We were gonna launch with the Barbados twenty eleven, the Hamden and the Worthy. And then we got access to the twenty year pastel rum from Foursquare. And we so we added that to the mix because we knew it would sell well. And of the of our, you know, like I said, of our top twenty list, we were able to get about fifteen casks. Some are unknowns, some are known. Some are from distilleries that are from countries that, you know, from from countries that we've never received rums from before, from distilleries that have never been accessible in the States. Others are from well known distilleries like Foursquare and, and Hamden and, and Worthy Park. So we launched with those distilleries because they're well known, they're well respected, and we knew that there would be some name recognition there. Because down island spirits didn't mean anything, but we knew that this these rums would be highly sought after. And right. then to add a highly unusual rum like uh, a 20 year pot still foursquare to the mix, we knew that it would sell well, and it actually sold out really quickly. So it was just kind of a business decision. We were going to launch with three. We added the fourth rum um, because we knew it would sell well, and and there were other casks out there. So we wanted to we wanted to get it to market while we could before it was, um, you know, be- before there was a surplus of it.
1: Yeah. Can, can people still get some of those initial releases? You mentioned there's the, the 2002 Barbados is now sold out, but the other ones, are they still around and available for purchase either on the website? There's, or
2: Yeah, there's actually still some 2002 out in stores. It's been long sold out from our distributor, um, but I see some floating around in the Florida shops. There's some up in, in Boston floating around. I, I'm not sure that the shops up there have completely sold out yet. And there's still a case left at the shop that handles our e-commerce. So you can actually go to Down Island Spirits and order the 2002 downislandspirits.com. Click the, you know, click the buy now page and, and it'll come up with all of the rums that are available. And there still should be four or five bottles left of the 2002 directly from the site. But, if, but they've all been long sold out from the mm-hmm. actual distributor.
0: Yeah, no, that that was that was great to see. And I actually, at the risk of sounding like this is sponsored content, which is it is it is not um, the experience because I ordered that bottle of the, the 2002 Foursquare from your website. And the experience of being able to do that was really great. And something that I value highly as a rum consumer in Tennessee that doesn't always have access to all the 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 great new releases. So yeah, so kudos to you for getting that up and running. I know it's not the easiest of things to get an online store like that together. So it,
2: it was it was really important for us to do so. Yeah. We launched in one state. you know we were yeah. in Florida mm-hmm. and our e-commerce partnership allows us to ship to forty states. yeah. so um and you know we'll drop a, a free shipping code on occasion. so a lot of people don't have to pay for for shipping depending on what product you order. So it was really important for us to be um, online with a, with a shop early on. And it's done wonders for, for sales and it's kind of helped us, you know, pollinate many states with the down island products, which wouldn't have been which wouldn't have been possible before.
0: I like the uh, expression pollinate. That's good. You're pollinating the, <laughs> the, the marketplace. Um, you got it. I did want to ask on the Foursquare pot still. I think rum enthusiasts who are following releases like that notice that there were kind of several of those that all hit the market at once. It was like all of a sudden, you know, multiple different independent bottlers were putting out 2002 all pots still Foursquare. Was, was that a surprise to you or did you know that that was coming? I, I guess what I'm getting at is just like how, because we hear all the time, you know, the, the rum community is a small world. I know, you know, other people, Um, who are in the business, you guys talk, it's not like, I don't think that many adversarial relationships, but is, is there a competitive side to it to like being the first, you know, to be out with something? And how did that strike you when it's like, oh, there's all this 2002 Foursquare all of a sudden?
2: You know, so we all bought it. No, no mystery here. We all bought it from the same broker. Right. I'm sure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think we all hoped that we had the only barrel or the only barrel in the <laughs> States or the only barrel in Europe. I, frankly, we saw the, we saw the drop in, we saw the release in, 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 in the UK. And mm. so we knew we wanted to release ours first. I didn't know homesky had a barrel. I didn't know that. Um, what's the other one? Royal cane, Royal cane. I think, I think yeah, right. they yeah. had, a, they had a barrel. I didn't know. Um, none of us knew each other had a barrel.
0: Okay. So you're all kind um, of slowly finding out as you see each other's popping up.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you know, my, and it was disappointing, I guess in a way, because I, my goal is to have zero overlap with other independent bottlers in in the States. And I really hope to do so. I think that, um, like rolling fork is doing some really great work with all the Barbados and Jamaican Mm -hmm. rums. I think Eric at home ski has done, you know, like all the Belizean rum that he's selling, Mm -hmm. all of the really cool Guyanese marks that he's done. I wouldn't, I wouldn't wade into that territory at all. Um, And so I was a little bit disappointed that, you know, from the get go, we were already having some overlap with another IB here in the States. And it was, it wasn't our intention at all. And so moving forward, we're really hoping to stay away from that.
0: Well, at least it was something that is, um, Rare enough, I would say that it's not like that comes around that much. So you know, two barrels being stateside from speaking from the rum consumer standpoint is you know welcome. I would say when it's something that kind everybody
2: of everybody, so, everybody sold their cask exactly. That's
0: for sure. Yeah, yeah. You, I, I imagine you're like I broke
1: rule number one immediately. <laughs> ah, <laughs> well, look, curses. You know, every,
2: um, early on before before we before we sourced rum before, I think maybe we had samples, but, um, early on in, in the development of our brand, I reached out to a few different brand owners that I know. And Eric was, Eric, Key was one of them and he, you know, I didn't know him. I just was friends with him on social media. I asked him if Mm -hmm. he'd take a call. He did. He gave me some great advice. First of all, he took the call, which I, you know, some people wouldn't have. Mm -hmm. He gave me some really good advice. He was incredibly kind and generous with his time and his knowledge. The last thing I wanted to do was overlap with him on uh, on any product. And so um, it was just unintentional. I will say that um, having three casks of 100 percent pot still rum from Foursquare in the states was was pretty cool. Yeah I mean it was exactly. a really good it
1: was a really really good day for enthusiasts and collectors. Agreed. Yeah. I, w- I wanted to mention that actually that uh, of your first four releases that you released, they were all molasses based. And I think three were 100% pot still, and one was a column pot blend. Yeah. Yeah. And then now, so we haven't really broached this yet, but you have your two newest releases, which is the Brazil rum and the Martinique rum. Uh, And both of those are 100% uh, column, 100% column, and cane juice base. So it's almost like you flipped to a whole other side there. Was any of that intentional, or is that it just sort of worked out that way?
2: There's a smaller market for cane juice rums, and so yeah. we knew that kicking off the brand with four kind of bulletproof rums would be a, a good business decision. But moving forward, we're going to release a lot of cane, a lot of cane juice rums, a lot of more unusual rums that you know are just kind of outside what we normally get in the states. So uh, I guess it was a little bit of a strategy, but I love both of these rums that we just put out you mentioned the 6 year aged rum aged agricole rum from martinique which was distilled at saint james 4 years aged on site in uh, in martinique and then another 2 in europe and then a really interesting rum from brazil which is 80% cane juice 20% molasses aged 6 years in ambarana casks on site at Epris distillery in Brazil, which is outside of São Paulo, and then another mm-hmm. six years in American oak in Europe. These are just cool rums, interesting rums, unusual yeah. flavor profiles, and that's why we release them as follow-ups because um, we just we love these rums. And the Florida Rum Society picked the um, did, did a cast pick with us on the on the Brazil, and um, and has gone over really really well. We're yeah we're pleased that they uh, enjoyed you know these rums, and there's a lot more to come.
1: I think, you know, Florida Rum Society members like myself, we know a little bit about that, like you mentioned, and shout out to Jay uh, in Orlando. But can you talk a little bit? We wanted to ask, so the Florida Rum Society pick, is that the only Brazil rum available at the moment? Or is there plans for more? I wasn't really sure how that was working itself out. Is there
0: like the pick and then another cask, or is it all the same? Yeah.
2: Yeah, so we've just about sold all through that cask. We're almost sell- oh, wow. at, we're almost at almost at sell on the first Brazil cask. We do have another cask. Oh, nice. Um, okay. it's the same just a li- little bit different ABV. I think that the FRS pick was fifty-five. I think the other cask we have is at fifty-three and a half, very similar. Same 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 profile, just a little bit um different ABV. And we'll we'll release that one as soon as the FRS pick sells out.
1: So the the people looking for the one and a half percent are there <laughs> get to it
2: <laughs> yeah we're I mean we're we're expanding our distribution so about four months ago we expanded to Massachusetts, which has been a great market for us We're um, furthering expansion into New York and California later this summer and early fall It's hard to put a date on these things um, but it's important for us to have more than than one cask of Um, some of these rums, which have become really, really popular. And so I think that we'll move forward with, um, depending on demand, um, we'll move forward accordingly with uh, with the number of casks we purchase.
1: Can can I ask you one more thing about that before we move on, which is when you're buying multiple casks as an IB, is your goal to have them be very similar in profile so that everybody gets a similar experience there? Or it doesn't really matter if it's, you know, it, it, you're, it. one cask, it can be very different from the other one and it kind of is what it is.
2: So we're getting a lot of requests for cask picks. And I think having the same flavor profile between five casks is probably not the not the right decision to make there. I think that people are looking for unique, they're looking for interesting, they're looking for mm. bold. And so I think we'll have different profiles represented, even if it's from the same distillery, even if it's the same mark, um, different cask finishing, for example, on a few of the different casks. So I think we'll do both. I think it really depends on demand.
0: I, I wanted to ask about the priest distillery in Brazil, because I think it, it might be more familiar with fans of European IBs, as there have been a number of Euro releases featuring their rum, um, this I, I do think this is the first one I can recall seeing in, in the US, at least in, in recent years. What, what can you tell people who might be less familiar with the rum about the distillery from a stylistic and production standpoint? Because I see Brazil rum and I see cane juice. And I know there is 20% molasses base, But the first place my mind goes is, is this cachaca to Brazilians? It, like, like, where does it fall? How does that all shake out?
2: So Epris is a big distillery, like I said, outside of Sao Paulo. They've been around since the 1950s, mostly as a, a contract distillery, although they do have some of their own products. And, I mean, they've made rum for Bacardi, for example, but right. they also have their, mm. have had their, their own brands. They have a, a column still. They have a pot still. They do cane juice. Mm. They do molasses. They do they do a lot of things. I think what's most interesting to me about Epris is that um, they're – their cask aging follows that Brazilian style, where they have access to woods that we just don't get here. And the Ambarana, um cask ate, added such a unusual profile to this particular rum, and that's that's why that's why we chose it.
0: Tell, um, I, but they're
2: I, they're a they're a, they're a big distillery, and they've been around for a, for a while. Um, they've made. Other spirits as well. They've made mm-hmm. vodka. They've made sake, which is something oh, wow. that you don't necessarily think about coming from Brazil. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the the samples that we've gotten, and again, they were from a broker. They were all really interesting and unusual. Uh, we'll we'll probably pick some more from Ebreis.
0: Yeah, you you mentioned the Amberana wood. Um, this one spent six years, so the first half of its life, I believe, in in Amberana wood. Um, for those who haven't experienced an Ambarana, you know, aged rum, how do you describe the effect that that has on rum?
2: Very spicy, black pepper, just very, um, bold, um, profile notes. And it's become much more common to see Ambarana, of course, Ambarana in Cachaca aging has been, you know, happening for a number of years, Mm -hmm. become more popular in cask finishing in the whiskey world. Yep. And the beer, the beer geeks are getting into it as well. Oh, um, I think that this, from my perspective, I think it's the, the first Ambarana aged rum that we've had here in the U.S. There have been some releases in the U.K. Um, certainly have been Epri's distillery mm-hmm. releases in the U.K. and, and throughout Europe. Um, but I think a few of those were Ambarana aged as well. But it's just the unusual kind of spicy, peppery profile. And it's Mostly used for finishing. This spent six years in Ambarana cask, so it's 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 bold. It's very expressive. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think I think I, my, my first experience with Ambarana was uh, Avwa does a cachaça, um mm. and they have a an Ambarana bottle. And the thing that I pick up from it a lot is kind of like almost like a cinnamon toast crunch kind of mm-hmm. element to the rum, which is just really. I mean, that's one of those flavors that just I feel like has universal appeal to people. And I find it a little bit in 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 this rum as well. And that could just be my own subjective tasting experience. But uh, that's something about it that stands out to me that I that I enjoy with that one.
1: No, I, I agree with that note, Will. I, I get something similar to that, too. I wouldn't have described it before you said that as that, but I, I can see where you're coming from. And, you know, we, we try a lot of rum, Mike, as you know. You know, Will and I both have a lot of rum, it's not often that I get one that I go, whoa, this is different. And definitely the, the Brazil did that for me, which was which is kind of cool. You know, it, it's always interesting to find new things even after years of exploring of different rums and you still can stumble on something that gives you a different experience or profile. So no, that's
2: I, that's great to hear. That's great to hear and and like I said, I mean that's what we want this brand to represent is not to regurgitate what everybody else is doing but to come to find rums that are truly different and unusual. And when we first tasted the uh, this particular expression from Eperisse we thought that it fit that category. I will I will say and this is National Daiquiri Day, fellas. So happy yes, National Daiquiri Day! I just Day. saw
0: that. I didn't realize it. Yeah. And someone, I'm having one someone, later.
2: Someone on Instagram posted a few weeks ago that they tried the new Down Island Brazil in a in a daiquiri, and that it was out of sight. That is it's really good. And, and I didn't think that that could possibly be true, but it <laughs> is. Um, it makes a great daiquiri, and I would recommend it to to you guys. Give it a try. Um, that. That just subtle Umbrana note in in the actual cocktail once it's mixed is uh it just adds a new element to uh, to a very common drink. And um it's uh it's worth trying.
1: We just gotta come up with a name for it, Mike. Let's
2: work street, on that.
1: Streeter daiquiri, the DI Daiquiri.
2: These work. We'll figure it out.
1: By by the end of the program, we'll figure something out. We'll workshop it. Um, I, I wanted to give a little bit of uh, time also to the, the, the St. James pick, the Martinique also. Um, I know there's many distilleries on Martinique, but sadly, as, as you kind of have already mentioned, we don't really see a lot of those higher-proof, non-standard releases in the U.S., even though I know they exist because, you know, the Internet exists, and I get to, you know, man shakes fist at cloud on the Internet when I see all these releases coming out, and they're not in the U.S., but I was... Thankful to see that this is something that you were doing. What are the sort of things that you were looking for from an aged agricole specifically, and how did you ultimately decide upon going with Saint Marie Distillery or the maker of Saint James?
2: You know, I love I love the distillery. I've been there a few times. It's um, really interesting, kind of a kind of a agricole museum. I mean, the experience is like walking back in time. You can see how the rum is made of course but they have a still they actually have a still museum there they have bottles that date back to the 1800s um but the rum itself has been one that i just have have enjoyed so many times over over the years st james is actually the first aged agricole that i ever um, that I ever tried here in the states back in must be almost 20 years ago there was uh, an expression called ordage. And I think yes. that's like extra old or very old, and in, in French, my French is horrible. But um, you're
0: in good company. This is
2: the this this is the same mark. I think that that was a two to four year blend. This mm. is a six, but it's absolutely unquestionably the same mark. And when we tasted this, we knew that it was something that we wanted to bottle. And um, again, I think it's just an interesting distillery. I love their products. I don't think we get enough of them here in the states, although that has improved over the past couple of years. But mm-hmm. you know, we're just we're just happy to be able to get this cask.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think I've said that back on the program a few times as well. Like, I, I think I might have yelled at Will at some point just out of frustration of not having this. So I was very very excited to see this uh, being brought, and uh, it's it's a really fantastic pick as well.
2: St. James has this kind of familiar. If you're into St. James, it has this. Of black pepper, briny, musty note yeah. to it that is un- unmistakable, and when we were going through our initial agricultural samples, I knew we all picked this out as as St James early on. I think we had two or three samples from St James. This was the best one, and um we hope to get more from them,
0: yeah at at the risk of um Using a whiskey comparison, it, it has a spiciness to it that kind of reminds me of rye. Not that it has the same notes as a rye, but that same kind of feeling of of uh, spice that you get from it. I'm I've I've got I've been going back and forth between both of those rums throughout this uh, call so far, and same it's, here. It's yeah. interesting because they are they're both distinct from one another, but it's and, and you mentioned that it wasn't necessarily planned to do these together but it almost feels like there's a connection between both of them that like it's like they make sense together as a release kind of like if you're listening to an album from a band and like the first song and the second song are different but they just like flow together you know well that's kind of like how i feel about these two rums being released together so it's yeah, uh, it's
2: great to hear. It's un, unintentional, but um, but I'll <laughs> take it.
0: Uh, you 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 talked about your selection process earlier. You have the tasting panel, the rating system. Have there been any tough calls so far? Have there been any, you know, knockdown drag out fights about which one is actually the best <laughs> that should be released? What what have been like the most the the hottest contested uh, issues to go through there?
2: No fist fights. No fist <laughs> fights yet. Um, there are some you know, there are some members of the group that um, haven't uh, truly haven't discovered their appreciation or haven't developed an appreciation for cane juice rums yet. Still? And even I'm after all, these two? Yeah. And, and, and so, and, well, yes. Uh, so, but I'm, I mean, I'm, and I'm all the way there um, on cane juice rums. So um, about half the panel was, um, you know, we had very similar picks. And then there were, you know, two or three of the members of the group that were that you could tell were not Kane juice fans. I think that's probably the only thing I would point out so far. Um, And we're just we're not, you know, this this group, you know, we I guess I have the final decision on, on what we decide to bottle. I'm just looking for some guidance. I'm just looking for trends. I'm just looking for trends in our ranking system to see that you know, I'm not the only one that actually approves of uh, you know, a, a particular cast
0: uh-huh. by the way it just occurred to me uh, and we don't try to shame anyone's tastes on, on this show about what they like if you only like molasses rums that's, that's completely fine but it did just occur to me that a perfect name for people who are all in on molasses but hate cane juice molassholes it's pretty good right <laughs> <laughs> that is terrible <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna catch on Just watch. (laughs) It'll be a thing.
2: I see the bumper sticker in the T-shirt now, John. I will. (laughs) Um,
1: So moving on, uh, Mike, we we spend a lot of time on this show talking about transparency in rum. And the first thing you notice when you look at your bottle and (laughs) label is, to my mind, one of the best examples of transparency in action on store shelves right now not only for rum but maybe any spirit category and so i wanted to highlight that a little bit and ask you how long did it take you to come up with that information and what was really critical to be listed on it and how hard it was to determine overall what needed to be there and what had to be left off because you just don't have enough space
2: well, we yeah, we want everything on there. Uh, of we, want, we want to be as, you know, we want to be as transparent as, as possible. Um, so we include all of the obvious all of the obvious stuff here, um, and then on the back there's a you know paragraph about the brand and a paragraph about the aging. And as we get more information like yeast strains and ester counts, that's going to be on the bottle too. Uh-huh. We just don't always have access to that. So we want to put everything on the label that that we have access to. And a lot of times that depends on whether it's coming from a broker or from a distillery. Coming directly from a distillery, we get a little bit more granular with it. From a broker, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the information's really good, but we haven't got haven't gotten to yeast strain info yet. So um to be continued. We just I, want it all to we just want it all to be there. We don't want there to be any question about what's in the bottle. We want it all it, to be, you know, completely yeah. transparent.
1: If you had the room to add like one more dotted line on there do you know what that would be for most of them? Uh,
2: if we get ester, if we get an Esther count on on some of our upcoming rums, which we have, right. um, that'll be on the bottle too. Our, so it's then, funny the, the the woman who designs our label is just you know she's had it because <laughs> you know she I mean she's had it with us um, too much we, text. You know, made a lot of changes, made a lot of requests, and right now. Um, from her opinion, there's enough here. But um, we've gotten some great feedback about the label. We've gotten some really good feedback about the bottle. So, John, yeah. you know, you're hard on bottles, man. I would love to know what you, what you think.
1: Um, I, I truly like this bottle. It's probably one that
0: Will and I both like is yeah. my guess, but I'm going to add. Uh, okay, it's in so. the, rare, the rare Venn diagram. It's that little it sliver is. that we both agree on. Yeah. It's, it's so It's functional
1: in in the the shape of it and it's still and even though there's a lot of text on there for putting this information it's not put in such a way that it like makes my eyes go blurry because I just don't want to read it It, it's very distinguished in that way and distinguished is really something that I'm looking for in out of a bottle it's like can I show this to a friend and even though they're not a rum nerd or rum geek like we are they're still gonna go ooh, what's in that Right? That's the reaction that I look for. And I think that you have that here in this. They're like, huh, that is an interesting bottle. It, it's certainly miles away from the kind of traditional you know, bottle shape and that already starts to, to go somewhere. And then adding the label and the information that's there, it just really feels like something different. So I think you've succeeded there, in my opinion. And so, yes, that's a rare thing, Mike, where we both, <laughs> Will and I, are approving of that. So kudos. Does, does the
0: bottle style right. have a like, name? Like, is there a is, is there a way to describe that style of bottle? Because I don't know how to describe it.
2: I think this bottle. You know, it's funny. We we. It's actually this bottle wasn't our was not our first choice.
0: It reminds me of something we, you might see in like a an apothecary or something. I don't. There's there's yeah, like a, a, a medicinal yeah, quality to it.
2: And it has yeah. a name to match. I'll I'll have to get that for you. Well, I'm not really sure. But this. Yeah. You know, we d- we developed the brand during the great glass shortage of 2020 and (laughs) 2021, right? You guys heard about this. There There were no bottles. And even worse for a new brand because no one wanted to deal with us. So we had a bottle that we liked. It wasn't available. It wasn't going to be available for a few years. We kept moving on down the line. We found this bottle, which really fit what we were looking for and the kind of vibe that we were trying to create. And there were a couple of pallets in Illinois at a warehouse someplace, and so we bought everything they had. It's gone over well, but it was just honestly, it was just luck because we were getting really desperate with what we had access to.
0: Sometimes, uh, yeah. sometimes constraints lead to the best creative breakthroughs. <laughs> we
2: wanted something, you know, we wanted something unique. Yeah, and we again, we didn't want to look like other brands. And in the craft spirits world, there's a lot of brands that use the same bottle and we just wanted to, we wanted to get away from that. Yeah. Yeah. So this was just a, this was just kind of a happy accident that worked out.
1: Yeah. you, You know what? One final word on that is I didn't really think about it until right now, but when I think of the bottle in my head, I somehow associate it with a... Of an island vibe, but not in a dominant way it's like just somewhere in the background there's like this islandy vibe I don't know if that's just because down island spirits it's in the name or there's something to it I don't know what it is but it, for some reason it works so you know your second choice great choice <laughs> it's
0: islandy but not island dominant right yes <laughs> I- <laughs> well I, you know if i if I've got both of you on board I'm um
2: I mean, yeah, I'm just uh, pleased about that because I think that's pretty unusual. Maybe it's a first. Is it a
0: first on the show? It's not a first. We do agree occasionally on bottle and label design. But it, again, but you're it's in a, rare company. if we if yeah. we okay. if we arrange the Venn diagram, the circles would be like just barely touching. You know, it's just like yep. that little okay. sliver. Um, right. I'm in all the good side <laughs> and then will just breaches into it. <laughs> um, I appreciated hearing about your, your war, your war of words though, with, uh, with the labels and trying to get as much information on there as possible. Um, in in my, my day job, I'm a copywriter, so I collaborate, uh, with, with graphic designers quite a bit and do a lot of back and forth on, can we make this shorter? And, you know, a point I make often is if the words are all good, people are happy to read them. So I'm, I'm with you Mm. there, Mike. Um, I did want to ask you. You mentioned there that the information you can get is different depending on if you're going direct to a producer versus going through a broker. What What has that process been like for you? I, I know um, when when new IBs are getting started, a lot of times they're relying mostly on brokers, and then over time they develop really because because i think getting stuff direct from the source sometimes it takes a little more time you have to develop the relationship you have to go there you have to meet the people shake the hands all, all that stuff um but you've been traveling for quite a bit and going on distillery tours what, what was that process like like how how much are you have you done that's direct with uh, a producer and how different is that experience versus going through one of the brokers
2: we haven't released anything directly purchased that we purchased directly okay. from a Distillery yet these these are both these are all from brokers and that you know we've I've reached out to a lot of distilleries um, it, oftentimes where I have connections mm-hmm. and you know nobody wants to sell me five casks <laughs> it's it's just a nuisance at that point uh-huh. they don't want to sell me a thousand liters um, they want to sell a, a tanker right and so yeah. it it is it's it's it is challenging but we just took possession of some rums from a distillery mm-hmm. so i mean it's it's possible and i think the smaller the distillery is probably the more likely they are to to work with us because it does a few things i mean it it's revenue for them mm-hmm. but it also gets their their brand out there right. maybe to a market where they're currently not represented and i think that that's probably good for everybody especially when they're when they're a startup as well
0: mm-hmm. One other thing is talking about the details on on the label and the the descriptions you have on the website. I read these very closely, um, not because I'm trying to like catch people in falsehoods or anything, but just because you know it's 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 what I do. Um, I've noticed mm-hmm. that some of your releases. Are explicitly described as cask strength, while others don't ha- don't have cask strength. You know, written anywhere about them. And I just wanted to ask, like, how do you determine final bottle proofing? Is it a case by case basis, or have you sometimes just not had the option of doing cask strength, or is everything cask strength and just sometimes it gets described that way and sometimes it doesn't?
2: It's all cask strength. Okay, uh, all of our current releases are cask strength. I think that there's a. You know, the phrasing that we've used when describing these rums probably varies a little bit. Mm-hmm. Everything has been cask strength thus far okay. and will continue to be to be cask strength in future releases, except when something comes in at like, you know, 70 plus percent. And again, we we had we've taken possession of a few casks that mm-hmm. are. You know they're 140 proof. Uh, you know there's a limited yeah. number of people who are going to be able to enjoy spirits at, at that proof. Yeah. And and you know again, I mean, I know I'm going to get email and, and hate mail from and messages from from a group who wants um, who wants 70 plus you know, pro- the 70 pro- plus it's group. Yeah. 70 plus, but yeah. I think for us the sweet spot's probably around 62 to 60. Probably, I'll say 62, 60. Yeah. When something comes in at 70, we may dial it back a little bit, but we don't have to make that decision for a while. Those casks need to be aged probably for another year or two. So um, everything right now is cask strength.
0: Okay. Um, No, I I appreciate that. And I wasn't asking in order to put a value judgment on cask strength versus not, because I agree with you that at times it is fun and enjoyable to try things at their... You know whatever proof whether it's straight off the still or straight out of the cask with with no water i do enjoy that but i do think to get the optimal experience that you want to come back to again and again sometimes it does take a little proofing down um, to find what that is and so i do appreciate when bottlers can find their way there and give me a, a final product that you know they've determined this is where this spirit is best enjoyed at um, so I do appreciate that that viewpoint as well.
2: Yeah. You won't find any forty ABV expressions from us <laughs> anytime soon. I think we I do can thank guarantee you for that. that. Yeah,
0: forty is is uh, literally always too far. So <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> um, I,
1: I was going to make fun of Will for being as detail oriented uh, and thorough about bottle uh, label review, and then I realized my next question is probably just as yeah, focused. That's right. You're so right down here. You're right down really here in, do in the that. pit with me. <laughs> so, coming from the bourbon world myself, I'm more familiar with bourbon labels, and they they tout the use of non-chill filtration, or I should say the lack of use of chill filtration, but there are very few rums that list on the label no chill filtration like you do. So, I, I was it's just going to dig into that a little bit of number one, for those that maybe aren't as familiar with what that is, uh, if you can review that a little bit, I I expect most people that listen to this podcast will know, but there might be a few people out there, especially those who might be new to rum and are just finding us what chill filtration is and why it mattered to you that you put that on the label that it wasn't.
2: Yeah. You know, the reason that it's on the label is because we want, like I said, everything on the label. Um, The reason that we take a stance against chill filtration is because it's been known to filter out flavor and that's what we're all about the process Mm -hmm. simply is chilling rum to a to a um a certain temperature where esters and fatty acids coagulate and create a, a fog and then that is filtered out of the actual fluid and in my opinion that's also has the potential at least to filter out flavor and our rums are all about flavor. So we're not chill filtering any of our products. And there has been a debate about this for years, whether it actually removes flavor, does it, does it not?
1: I've seen that. Yeah.
2: A number of years ago, I was part of a tasting here in Florida where they had the same mark of whiskey. One was chill filtered and the other wasn't. And there was a noticeable difference between the two. And you could tell that there was some flavor stripped of that product. And I just don't want to risk that in any of these realms.
1: Right. Right. I think to your point about it being a debate, uh, you know, I I assume that not every distillate is going to be the same and that some of them, when you do chill filtration, may not experience a whole lot of difference. But while others, it may absolutely make that difference. And to your point of saying, well, we're just going to steer clear of that and keep it as uh, much of what was in the barrel is in your glass as possible. I, I can appreciate that. Yeah
2: yeah we wanna you know we want we want this to be as much of a barrel to bottle product as we as we possibly can, so there is some light filtration passes through a couple of plates. We don't want any you know barrel residue uh, char mm-hmm. it, it to show up in a in a in a bottle but um like our whiskey friends, if you're really into these spirits and there's a small amount of sediment at the bottom of the bottle to save flavor, then yes absolutely we're okay with that
0: yeah. I agree. That's just a sign that uh, you've got the good stuff when you see the little right. the little bit of sediment down there. You um, got it. Mike, you mentioned before that you've traveled widely throughout the rum world. What is one destination that you think maybe gets overlooked, maybe underappreciated, isn't the first place that rum enthusiasts may have on their list to travel to that they should immediately move up closer to the top what's what's the place that people should seek out
2: oh, man it's just so many you know there's so <laughs> many i would say i would say grenada is is one of those mm. places for me i love the island it's a beautiful place very um uh geographic or topographically i guess very interesting mm-hmm. it's you know um, there's mountains there's a rainforest there's oh we've we've talked we've talked to
0: mark rainier all about the top the the the, yeah. the topography there it's mm.
2: And so now that, um, you know, now that Renegade is is set up, um, I mean, I think that uh, that Grenada should no longer be overlooked. Not to mention that River Antoine is there mm-hmm. um, and Grenada Distillers is doing some really interesting things as well. Westerhall, of course, no longer makes rum. They import it from Trinidad, but they have a cool bottling facility there and, and you know, kind of tourist, you know, in a little tourist spot. But Grenada is truly a cool island that not a lot of people go to, and if you're interested in rum, there's definitely enough to keep you busy for a few days. And then Australia, you know, Australia is wasn't expecting Australia to make the the nice, making some incredible rums. Um, Of course, we've had access the last couple of years to some really nice expressions from Beanley. Mm But
0: there are how you even said it right. John, John, and I have been uh, uh, courteously corrected on our our pronunciation of of, of Beanley. Uh, Maybe I got it right there. Maybe I didn't. But you, you nailed it. Yeah, you did.
2: But there are fifty plus rum rum distill or distilleries making rum in Australia now, and we've had others that um, are absolutely incredible. So I think Australia is one of those destinations that you know should be in. If you could make it, do it, and um, and there's a lot of lot of rum once you get there.
1: We we know that you've just now put out these two new releases, the Brazil and the Martinique, and that there's a little bit of those first releases still left that we mentioned earlier. But if you know this show well, Mike, and I believe you do, you know that we <laughs> like to also ask about you know maybe what's coming down the pike, what's uh, what's coming in the future, and to the extent that you can maybe tell us a little bit of that or give us some hints or clues, uh, is there anything? you can say about the future for down Island right now?
2: Three new rums coming out in the October, November timeframe, hopefully fingers crossed. Nice. Um, one molasses rum, two cane juice rums. Mm. Um, let's see here. Two distilleries that have never been represented in the States before. Wow. So truly some, some new, yeah, some new product.
0: Ooh. Okay. It's yeah, it, really great music to my ears. Is there any? Does does that just focus on single cast releases, or are you also including the importing yes. that you're doing? No,
2: that's just single cast. Okay. Is there any? I haven't put wow. a time frame on. The, I haven't put it for time frame on. The, I've given up on a time frame for the importing. Um, those those get here when they get here. Okay. I, I that's wow. just for the single cast series.
0: I, I respect your right to withhold information here i understand um is, can we play 20 questions I, Yeah, i, I, you, I, I no. just want to ask a few a few non-revealing sure. questions um <laughs> is there any overlap between what you're planning to import and any of these three single cask releases no okay okay nice can you tell us the most common language that is spoken uh in the countries where these distilleries are that you plan on importing
1: um, no is an acceptable <laughs> answer if you need to. <laughs>
2: I would say three, three different languages. Oh,
0: okay, okay. Yeah, you you answered languages. it while also telling me nothing, which I respect. There. There you go. Okay. <laughs> Um, does it start with a through z no yes yes it sounds like we have a lot to look forward to which is uh which is really exciting but um yeah we'll we'll put up links where people can can check out the down island website um all the information that is on the bottles is available there for people to see as well which i always appreciate but Mike, before we go, as I'm sure you all know, we have a final segment on the show called the rapid fire round that needs no inter- introduction. Yes. For speaking you. Speaking of excitement. Um. And and this is one of the times, by the way, I've, I've mentioned this on the show before that sometimes I see these questions from John. Most of the time, I give them a once over. Um. I haven't looked at these at all, so I don't I don't know what's coming other than the the standard questions. But uh. So so I'm looking forward to hearing these as well.
1: So, Mike, you yeah, have no idea. Will hasn't reviewed these. We nope. could be in weird territory
0: this here is in a minute. Non, so. non-chill filtered, uh, <laughs> non-chill, filtered <laughs> non-chill filtered rapid, rapid fire. fire segment.
1: <laughs> Non-Will filtered <laughs> rapid fire. You missed. That was there right there for you to take it. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's go with this. So, Mike, you 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 know what's up here. Uh, we're, we're gonna put sixty-ish seconds on the clock. It's a generous sixty seconds. We're gonna get through as many of these as we can. Short answers. Some are gonna be super serious, and some are super silly. And you, there's no wrong answers with these. So you just go for it, and we'll 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 go as fast as we can.
2: Let's do it.
1: Will. All right. All right. I've got I heard that he said let's do it. Yeah. That was consent. That was. I've got sixty seconds and go. All right. Neat on the rocks. Neat. Column pot or blend pot aged or unaged aged and molasses or cane juice I think you answered this one cane juice yeah mm, not, okay. not a molasses hole. see it's catching on <laughs> your favorite hobby not related to rum uh travel okay well that makes sense I mean yeah you nailed that one too um I couldn't help but note that Down Island's brand is technically Down Island Spirits. Will, I think you mentioned it in the intro. Does that mean that there might be more than strictly rum in your future?
2: It will likely be just rum. Honestly, we chose Down Island Spirits because of a domain name and a trademark
0: issue. (laughs) Okay. Love love, love hearing the unvarnished reason. Exactly.
1: Practical. <laughs> practical answer. All right. Speaking of practical, you know, we do something here on the Rumcast as a free service. We offer free <laughs> marketing advice. And although buy rum geeks for rum geeks is pretty good, as we said, I've got some other taglines here that I think for Down Island you should really consider. So these are some free ones. We're gonna go through three of these real quick. You ready? You just give me the yay, nay, thumbs or whatever up or your thumbs down. Is. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. The first one at Down Island, we know what's up with great rum. <laughs> Uh, halfway <laughs> okay okay um this one's a little bit more niche but we're gonna go with it i don't know for you community fans out there the tv show uh mike streeter your last name streeter is it how about down island we're streets ahead of the competition uh not so much ah Give thumb, okay. down. The down, community fans thumbs aren't down. gonna <laughs> like that one i'm just saying all right how about this last one down island we don't make the rum you buy we just bottle and label it better uh I'm 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 going to go halfway on that one too. I appreciate the creativity. <laughs> so no winners, no winners in this. Back to the drawing you board to, John. though. Yeah. Right. I think but you no had to go losers. that way. <laughs> but no losers. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's excellent. I'll take it. Um what's your grail rum distillery right now?
2: Oh, man. Um you know, I have to get back to you on that one. I'm not sure because I'm but it's got, listen, I'm I'm, I'm close. I'm close oh, he's
1: close to so, it. Okay, okay. close okay. to my
2: Grail distillery. So you, you for, can neither for, confirm
1: nor deny at this time yeah. is what you're telling oh, me. Oh, yeah. It would be too you'll, big I'll, of a you'll hint. Be the, you'll be
2: the, look, you'll be the first to know. I don't <laughs> okay, want to let anything excellent. out of to. I don't want to give my give my uh, you know future releases away.
1: Yeah, you know the whole strategy of this is we try to catch you in between these other innocuous <laughs> questions. So right. you know you did really good. Yeah. Okay, as a fellow Floridian, Mike, what Florida college football team is the best, and why is it the University of Miami? <laughs>
2: I'm, I'm going with Miami. I'm going with Miami. I, don't, I don't
1: look, man, I wise.
2: I don't. I don't even know why. Just because I think I'll get
1: some, you know, some kudos from you. You, you
0: saw the 30. Oh. You saw the 30 for 30 on ESPN.
1: <laughs>
2: That's
0: right. Yeah,
1: exactly. Right. That's it, the it is a Very wise choice of you. Um, is it true? I heard. That, you know, all of yours are limited bottlings here. Is it true that you've personally kissed every single bottle before it leaves your warehouse and that you consider each one precious?
2: And that is, That is true. That is true.
1: <laughs> Excellent. We won't ask where you kissed it on the bottle. That will remain a mystery. But it's good to know that each one is precious, like we said. All right. Your favorite person to share a bottle of great rum with other than us, of course.
2: My favorite person to drink with is Bahama Bob Leonard from Key West, Florida. He'd be a great great guest for you guys. Um, I think I saw him
0: pop up on RumConnection.com a few times over the years. He Ah. probably did. He's a good
2: good friend, great rum enthusiast, and a great drinker.
1: Nice. Uh, All right. And finally, every rum you've bottled at Down Island so far has actually come from an island except (laughs) one, Brazil. So I want you to be honest. How long did you lie awake at night wrestling (laughs) with that fact?
2: Uh, you know what? I probably will do some sleepover tonight, but it's the first
1: time. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it shouldn't it be called like Down Continent or Down Mainland? I guess you it's, could say. It's true. It's, it's, a, it's true. a new. Yeah. It's a
0: new. It's a line extension on the brand. Um, anyway, <laughs> my that brand, that my is
2: branding is branding is off already. That
0: is time on on that note. Um, <laughs> there was a very generous one minute. A very I'll generous. Yeah. Oh, that yes, puts me at, yes. Hopefully,
2: that puts me at the top of the leaderboard. <laughs>
0: Mike's like how how, well. how well. Mike's like did you have to rake me over the coals for that long? <laughs> we do that for Especially we do that we for did. everyone, Mike. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: we we just edit it down, you know, a little bit. Uh, and you had the right answer with University of Miami, so we'll be gracious in that. I I Maybe will look. say,
0: um, in some of the feedback we've gotten, the only thing I can think of in terms of feedback about the rapid fire that we've gotten over the years has been from people saying, make it longer. So I think maybe (laughs) that's where, maybe that's where the generous 60 seconds comes from.
2: It's great. I love the, I love (laughs) the rapid fire, man. It's fun. All
0: right. Well, well on that note, anything I know we talked about, you know, um, the origin, what's out there now. We talked a little bit about what's to come in the future. Is there anything we didn't get to that you want people to know before we wrap up?
1: Oh, you know, I think I
2: would just say thank you to anyone who's shown any interest in this brand as a startup. Like I said, there's a lot of legwork, a lot of checks being written for a couple <laughs> of years before products actually come out. So to get to get some feedback, to get positive feedback or negative um, from people who have purchased bottles. Like I said, we've made a lot of fans and, and friends early on. Thank you to everyone who's shown interest, and keep an eye on our socials for upcoming releases and if you have any questions please reach out to us on on social media through our website if you're interested in purchasing our bottles they're available in select stores throughout florida and now in massachusetts soon come to new york and california and always on downislandspirits.com but just thanks to everybody who's shown interest early on it's been uh, it's been a great 10 months so far
0: Yeah. Well, it's great to hear that. And we'll put links up where people can check out all of that stuff. But, um, John, I know I'm I'm assuming we're both really looking forward to seeing what's coming next. Um, So many hints were dropped throughout here, including I've got to know what the Grail distillery is now. So when I I actually I don't want you to tell us which one it is. I want to see the releases and then I want to try to pick out which maybe maybe it'll be obvious, but I, I want the opportunity.
2: Or let's have some drinks, and I'll probably, you know, tell you after <laughs> after after a few rums. Let's do that.
0: Yeah, deal. Um, you guys start driving north, and I'll start driving south, and <laughs> and we'll we'll meet somewhere in the middle of Georgia, probably. But uh, yeah, thanks thanks again, Mike, for taking the time to stop by. Thanks, guys. It was fun. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Rumcast. If you want to learn more about Down Island Spirits, check out all those releases we talked about. You can go to their website. It's in the show notes. You can find that there. And hey, if you've tried any of these releases, would love to hear your thoughts on them. Feel free to send us an email at host at rumcast.com. That's H-O-S-T at rumcast.com. Or you can reach out to us via social media, John. Where can they find us there?
1: Yeah, at the Rumcast on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. And you can find us on any of those platforms. We will post uh, the episode when it is live, and we will follow up with uh, any comments or uh, DMs if you want to let us know what's going on with your rum journey or any questions you might have, whether it's from this interview or in general for rum. We're always happy to, to reach back out and talk with you on those things. Uh, Are we on yeah. Threads yet, John? We're
0: not on Threads. Is I Threads not- dead already?
1: You know, I, feel I haven't like I heard, heard a lot and about
0: like, it and, and, and yeah, the, and the past few poof. weeks. Yeah. we'll 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 investigate threads. I, yeah. I, we'll see if it's worth investing in or not. Yeah. Well, let us know, you know, hit us <laughs> up and let us know. Hey, <laughs> yeah. do we need to be if, on threads? Is it worthwhile? If um, we're really missing out on the threads experience, please let us know.
1: <laughs> we're barely on Twitter as it is, Will. <laughs> um but yeah, I, I'm curious to know also for for other people if you've tried these releases. Where is your favorite? So I'm I think Will, you and I of the two new ones, we liked both of them. But my favorite, I think, was the Brazil by a little bit, and your favorite was the Martinique by a little bit.
0: Yeah, so. I, I, I don't know. I think actually the the one I want to go back to more now, I think, is the Brazil, just because I I, I just want to figure it out a little bit more. You yeah. know, I got to figure out what's going on in there. Hmm.
1: Or or if you're if you're like us. You get both, <laughs> and you enjoy and have a good time. So, um, yeah, just let us know where your thoughts are with any of that and any questions that you have. And, of course, if you're uh, more along the lines of wanting to join us to talk in a discussion, Will, we do our monthly happy hours for our patrons. You can do. go to patreon.com uh, forward slash the Rumcast, and you can sign up for the Patreon there and join us for those happy hours and talk it through with us then. So, we
0: got one coming uh, up on... of ways. Yeah, we've got one coming up on August 2nd, so looking forward to that. But, um, John, until next time we talk, I'll see you then. I'll see you. Cheers.